This is In Focus from Control Risks, the global specialist risk consultancy. Each episode of In Focus brings you in-depth analysis and perspective from a different corner of our global network of experts. Welcome to our latest installment of the In Focus Asia podcast series. Today we are talking digital risk with Jim Fitzsimmons, the head of our cyber risk practice in Asia. As many of us are aware, the Asia-Pacific region has been one of the fastest growing digital markets in the world. Everything from payment apps to telemedicine, from Indonesia to India. It's something that's just been accelerated by the pandemic, but was already happening. This opportunity has attracted large flows of international capital from drawn to operating environments that frankly, from a security perspective, are not very mature and are increasingly exposed from an evolving regulatory perspective. Jim joins me to talk about why technology risk is now increasingly national security risk, operationalizing regulations, climatic risk to data centers, and more. So, Jim, you're our cyber expert for the region. In our annual outlook this year of our top five risks, which we do every year, the digital, let's call it digital risk, once again, not surprisingly, <laughs> made the top five. It has a few years in a row now, but in slightly different ways. For 2021, what we've been saying is that the risk to business from a digital cyber perspective is really increased or has increased kind of exponentially as a result of the rapid digitization that many businesses took on as a result of the pandemic that began in March 2020. Why don't you walk us through that a little bit? We know that that, that digitization was accelerated, like many of the things that were already happening in the world. It was accelerated by the pandemic, but it was something that was already happening. So walk us through what you see as, as some of those risks, maybe some case studies, that, you, if you can, that you've seen or we've heard we've helped our clients with in terms of that kind of falling afoul of that very, very rapid move to digital. Yeah, so thanks, Dane. Think of it this way. The region really, when the internet came to Asia, it came really via the mobile phone. And before that mobile phone explosion really took off, and I think India is a good example of that. You see what, what's happened there around internet adoption. The curve just really started to go much more vertical in terms of adoption. And that, you know, attracted investment, you know, in more mature e-commerce markets like China and, you know, the U.S. We saw the big majors piling into Southeast Asia, as well as lots of domestic firms like, you know, the Grabs and the Gojeks, Shopee, that have really sort of developed. And that aspect of investment and internet adoption has driven like a really a fundamental change in, in sort of the scope and reach of technology in the region. And with that change always comes risk. So what we've seen is that that's driven large scale adoption of data centers, that's driven much more of an e-commerce focus of things. But with that comes risk because as you adopt those platforms, you're adopting those kinds of third and fourth party risks. So we, when we think of our clients and, and what they've done, some of the risks they've faced, we know that uh, as their systems move to the cloud, they become targeted in some ways for things like business email compromises. So we've had clients who've had who've been defrauded from you know, very large sums of money all through targeting their online platforms that they use, compromising those systems, watching emails, listening to emails, and changing, diverting funds 
things like that. We've also seen where some of these sort of consumer facing online enterprises, they've been targeted where entire websites have been faked and a domain name is has, it's similar, but not quite the same. All it is a means to extract money and deals that are too good to be true and just kind of taking people's money that way. Look, it's easy to do that. The cost of entry for those kinds of taxes is very, very low. And generally, these are transnational crimes. So it's very, very hard to prosecute. So again, you know, ASEAN, it's a tight, small place and there's lots of connections across borders. It makes it much easier to, to, to kind of execute these kinds of attacks, but much, much harder to manage them. So uh, let me pick up on your point about the digitization and how, you know, really Asia has been the leader. If you look at the other regions in the world, both North Asia and Southeast Asia has really been the leader in digitization across a whole, really a whole gamut of things, whether it's tele- telemedicine or financial services or delivery services, or you, you mentioned a couple in terms of, you know, ride hailing and, and all of that kind of thing. But interestingly, we also know that a lot of these jurisdictions are not particularly mature from a from a digital security perspective. They're all trying to regulate, and they have, in many cases, sketched out legislation, or in some cases passed it but not implemented it. I'm thinking Vietnam, I'm thinking Thailand, Indonesia, yep. India. There's somewhere along that line, somewhere along the, the progress continuum of implementation, drafting and implementation, but generally speaking, low low maturity, low security awareness environments. Yep. But regulating at the same time, which seems which seems a little bit potential for exposure there. One would think as a result is high. So is kind of regulation is that the new risk? Yeah, and Carly Ramsey and I, she's based in Shanghai. So for a few years now, we've really been working very closely on the China cybersecurity law and how that has impacted businesses and you know and indeed it's Chinese society. So if you take a step back, our point of view on this is that all this regulation is fundamentally around national security. The personal data in large data sets of, you know, millions of people, if that falls into the wrong hands, you know, these people could be targeted not only for, for things like phishing attacks to steal their money, but also for misinformation and disinformation. At that level, more sophisticated policymakers in the region and indeed around the world, they're looking at this really in the national security context, much more so than than sort of personal data as being relevant and important in its own sake, although that's not to say it isn't. The second part of this is, and it kind of goes back to your point, is just the rising tide of technology in the region and how important that technology has very, very quickly become and how important like things like the telecoms industry, financial services. Technology has been always been very, very embedded in them, but now we're seeing it go out across different parts of different sectors, right? And how it becomes, everyone talks about how manufacturing companies are becoming service companies. And we see that very much in the region. And so as that happens, those kinds of risks around cybersecurity, they can also have an effect on national security. So think about this, if you could bring down the banking system, if you could bring down telecoms, if you could shut down a water plant, if you could shut down a power plant, those are the risks, again, for those policymakers. They're looking at it and they're getting very, very concerned because they're aware that the, that the level of maturity is not very high. And what they're trying to do is to fix it. And the challenge is, is that like any other government, how are they going to do that? And the approach has really been regulatory. Whichever the political culture you may look at, there's going to be regulation of one kind or another. I think one of the variables we look at is around how capable and how effective some of that regulation, the enforcement can be. But virtually all the countries are doing it in some way or other. So you mentioned Thailand and and Vietnam. Both have new regulations that are kind of sort of uh, drifting a little bit as they manage their own respective COVID crises. Same as India. Indonesia is looking at privacy regulation for next year. 
Australia, in the meantime, has pushed ahead with its critical infrastructure protections. Again, in that context around national security. China, as you all know, is its cybersecurity laws has gone through a technology phase and is now going into a, an information phase, which is an interesting thing. And again, we would see that as a, as a leading indicator for the rest of the region. So I guess to sum up, the, the, the regulatory risk is we would see it as fundamental because the government is trying to solve all these problems, but all our clients are caught in the middle, right? They all have these shared service delivery models where now they have to adapt to regulations in one country and another country. And it becomes very, very hard for them. This idea that, okay, let's have one high standard. Let's operate the same way. Now they're being challenged at a, at a country level. And it's really that old model is starting to break apart. Yeah, it makes it very difficult when you're trying to operate across the entire region and you have multiple, possibly quite often conflicting regulations from one jurisdiction to another. Let's Indeed. talk a little bit about a jurisdiction that has changed, was was pretty mature in, or is pretty mature in some ways, but is also change as a result of new regulation back to your comment about the national security issue, and that's Hong Kong. Yep. So what, I mean, obviously financial services center, so it's absolutely, you know, this is absolutely <laughs> fundamental to the way global financial services companies operates, operate. What are we seeing there? Well, how are we seeing it impact our clients, if it has, in terms of the new national security laws that have been brought in by China? Well, the impact has been more perhaps mental and emotional now as opposed to operational, because quite frankly, people are still getting their head around it. We've seen what's happened. Obviously, they've introduced a national security law. So people who are, who are found to be in violation of that are being sort of aggressively pursued, which includes pulling their financial records, you know, things like that. Now, you know, we've had clients there for, I mean, decades. And Hong Kong has always been, and it's one of the, it's one of the, along with Singapore and, and, and probably Tokyo, one of the three top three sort of data center locations in the region for a variety of different reasons. And so it's been a center for, for that kind of technology delivery for our clients. And now what they're wondering is, is that, well, where is that national security law going to go and how far is it going to go? So I think you and I had this discussion once before, but China in the same way, first came the national security law, then came the cybersecurity law. And I would expect that broadly the same trend would, will happen in, in Hong Kong. Indeed, I think we've already seen cases where some telcos, apparently under the instruction of the police, have, have started to block access to localist websites and things like that. How far that goes, we don't really know. Obviously, I think that, that, that you know, the Chinese government doesn't necessarily want to, to make wholesale changes to how, how Hong Kong operates because it, it operates very successfully. But again, Anything that would question sort of national integrity and, and, and those kinds of issues are bright, shining, thick, throbbing red lines that um, the central government in Beijing is not going to let anyone get across. So that part of it is for our clients, it's a wait and see attitude, but it's concerning because they don't know where it's going to go. And you also just touched upon one of my favorite topics, which is data centers. So, yeah. so we've had, as you know, really had kind of a, a mini boom in yeah. clients coming to us for around the, the risk to, to localizing data, which is required in, in many of the states, uh, kind, kind of going back to our earlier discussion. They expect that it will be. And particularly in some of those bigger bigger consuming markets, whether it's India or Indonesia, and really pouring a lot of money into hard assets on the ground for data centers. So what are some of the challenges that they encounter when they're when they're going into markets like this? And we're talking, obviously, without specifying, we're talking very big brand names, consumer or B2B names um, that are running their own, or in some cases, cloud providers that are running their own data centers. So what are some of the 
the challenges that they face going into some of these markets to put kind of hard assets on the ground? I think first, there's always that market entry aspect around it, around going into And look, we've helped clients all around the world with these kinds of issues. And that can be really hard because depending on, on where you're going, how they regulate these things is not always going to be consistent. So that's just a very fundamental challenge you see in many emerging markets where you're kind of going in with a very sort of a sophisticated service that you're trying to provide, but you're trying to manage it in sort of an, an economic context where either the regulators may not be so familiar with it, or it's very, very hard to find people on the ground who can manage it. We've also seen that with this scramble for to these kinds of services, boy, some places it's very hard to find a good place to put a data center. If you think about countries in, in Asia, there is a high exposure to climate risk. There's a high exposure to natural disasters. And the places like Singapore, for example, where I am, it has one of the least exposures to natural disasters, but it's also very small. And so it makes it kind of challenging to, to kind of balance some of those costs and effects. So um, entering the market is, is hard. And then Again, in an operational level, the end client who's going in there and operating their systems, you know, look, they all operate at a very, very high standard. But finding people on the ground who can kind of manage the facility and stuff like that can be more challenging. And I think what's interesting is all these companies are going in there for, for the very, very good reason what we talked about at the very beginning is how you know business is just taking off in the internet space there. It's definitely done that sort of the consumer facing aspects of the business. And really the next wave is businesses in, in Asia Pacific begin to adopt this cloud model like they have in, in North America and, and Europe to a degree, right? So that's happening. And as, and as this is going on, they're thinking about the opportunities that, that they have for with these businesses. And, and I think that what's interesting is that the risks that companies will face as this model increases and expands is something that the region is in some ways well-prepared for, in some ways completely unprepared for. So we've seen with things like solar winds, and we've seen also like attacks that have targeted cloud service providers that that aspect of risk is where things are going. And, you know, because Asia Pacific is somewhat late to the game, there is still this latent mistrust of the cloud that's, that, that people are handling. And so in some cases, it makes them much more attuned to the risk. But the way that you handle those kinds of risks in the cloud, which is understanding what your data is, understanding who needs to access it, managing it the right way. These are also areas where some of our where regional companies maybe are not so strong. And so it's an interesting mix of opportunity and risk that the freight train is coming. They're all going that way, but some of them are struggling to, to balance those two. Jim, that was great. Thank you very much for that. You, you distilled and clarified a very complex topic, which is not easy to do. So thanks very much for doing that. My pleasure. If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode of In Focus, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. And be sure to subscribe to our other podcasts as well, such as The Global Insight, our fortnightly panel discussion exploring the impact of the most pressing issues on global business. All of our podcasts are available wherever you listen. Just search Control Risks. You can follow all of our analysis and find out how we are helping businesses build organizations that are secure, compliant, and resilient by visiting controlrisks.com.